Welcome to this episode of Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast giving you advice, tips and tools for getting the most out of your research. I'm Laura Grassi and today I'll be talking to you about whether you should use constant current or voltage when running your SDS page. In labs across the world, scientists are racking their brains to decide whether to run gels at constant current or voltage in SDS page. What's the difference, you ask? And wait, there's a third option too? Let's open this can of worms together and discuss the science so you can make an informed decision. Let's start with what electrophoresis is. An electric current can separate ions and charge macromolecules through a solid gel matrix in a method known as electrophoresis. We use this to separate DNA, RNA, and proteins according to size, charge, and structure. The average molecular weight of one amino acid is around 110 Daltons, while one DNA or RNA base is around 330 or 340 Daltons. This weight is doubled for double-stranded DNA. Because of this, DNA molecules are often thousands of kilodaltons in size, making them larger than most monomeric proteins. Agarose, which contains larger pores in the gel matrix, is typically used to separate nucleic acids. Acrylamide, which contains smaller pores, is usually used to separate proteins by native or SDS page. Okay, now we've got the basics out the way, onto the nitty gritty. What's the difference between constant current, voltage and power? The source of this electrophoresis controversy is the age-old Western blotting debate of whether constant current, voltage or power is best for page. To address this question, we first need to consider the differences between the methods. Most modern power packs allow users to control each of these three electrophoresis modes so that one electrical parameter can be set while the other two fluctuate. To get a more solid understanding of gel electrophoresis, we should cover Ohm's law and the second law of electrophoresis. In Ohm's law, voltage is the driving force during page separation of protein samples. When voltage is applied, the result is a current flow which has an intrinsic resistance as it passes through the gel. Resistance is a measurement of how easily ions in the buffer system allow charge to flow through the gel. As the electrolytes in the buffer are used up during electrophoresis, resistance will naturally increase. Ohm's law describes the relationship between these three parameters. Current equals voltage over resistance. When you set your desired voltage, current or power on the power pack, the selected setting determines the resistance. Importantly, resistance is influenced by other factors, including the ionic strength of the buffer, the conductivity of the gel and temperature. The second law. The second law states that power, a measure of the amount of heat produced, is equal to the product of current and voltage. So power equals voltage times current. If you rearrange Ohm's law, you will see that voltage equals current times resistance. This means that power equals current squared times resistance, which equals voltage squared over resistance. If you've ever performed page or western block transfer, you may have noticed that the chamber can get pretty warm. I've even heard rumours of smoking and boiling electrophoresis chambers. Have you ever wondered why this happens? Well, it's because electrophoresis produces heat in a process known as dual heating or ohmic heating. The generated heat is influenced by the conductivity of the buffer system used, the total resistance within the system, and the strength of the applied electrical field. If you want to increase your chances of having a decent western blot after all of those never-ending TBST washes, it is essential to consider how much heat may be generated during your electrophoresis run. Heat can be a double-edged sword for page. Some additional heat can help denature proteins that haven't been fully denatured during sample prep. Still, too much heat can make gel swell, causing samples to run unevenly and resulting in the dreaded smiling gel. 
So what about constant current? Setting a constant current means that your samples will migrate at a constant rate with the voltage and power increasing as resistance increases, leading to more heat production. If resistance increases enough, you will have to deal with longer run times, which in turn could lead to other problems within the system. If this happens, the system may increase the power and voltage even more, leading to further heat generation and a vicious cycle. In extreme cases, the system can get hot enough to boil, scorch or burn some of the equipment. As well as a safety concern, there is also the small matter of your potentially ruined gel. To combat overheating, some people perform electrophoresis with an ice pack, on ice or even in the fridge. If you run your page or Western transfer in the fridge, you should keep the power pack at room temperature and only have the leads going into the fridge. Otherwise, you run the risk of ruining the electronics of the power pack due to condensation. You can use my genius hack of sealing the fridge door with tape for some extra security. But be careful not to cool your electrophoresis chamber too much because resistance increases as temperature decreases, you could end up with super long run times. The pros of constant current is that it offers a constant migration rate so you can run your STS page gel for a specific length of time, leaving you free to carry on with other work or go for tea, coffee, lunch and or a nap if you fancy. You can come back after the required time to carry on with the gel staining or protein transfer. This also allows for shorter run times, resulting in sharper bands. If you're going to use constant current for electrophoresis, you should start your run at between 100 to 120 milliamps and keep an eye on it. There are some considerations when using constant current. Running multiple chambers on the same power pack using constant current can be problematic because of differences between the chambers, for example, gel composition and buffers, which can influence the current received in each chamber. This means that each chamber gets an inconsistent current. Because gel composition affects the rate of a sample migration, it's also a good idea to only run gels of the same percentage in the same tank. Otherwise, one gel could run faster than the other, requiring you to take one of the gels out and leave the other to run fully. So what about constant voltage? If you decide to use constant voltage, the current and power will decrease as resistance increases. This lowers the amount of heat produced, making this a safer option. However, because resistance increases, the sample migration rate through the gel will slow down, leading to longer run times, which often results in more diffuse bands. If there is a big problem resulting from a big increase in resistance, the current and power will fall because the voltage has been set. The greatest advantage in using constant voltage is that even if there is an equipment failure, the worst that can happen is the resistance increases to a level that can't be compensated for by the power supply, causing it to shut off. But if you monitor your electrophoresis run regularly, as you should, you can simply turn it back on and hope your gel hasn't been negatively affected, or just rerun the gel. If you work in a lab where the number of available functional power packs are in short supply, you could attach several electrophoresis chambers to one power pack while keeping the setting the same as for one run. This is because multiple electrophoresis units supplied by the same power pack will receive precisely the same voltage. You should still avoid using gels of different percentages in one tank though. As a rule of thumb, most vertical electrophoresis chambers suggest that you run gels at a constant voltage of 5 to 15 volts per centimetre of gel for a standard 1 millimetre thick page gel. What about constant power? When power is kept constant, the speed with which the sample migrates to the gel decreases because the current falls to compensate for the increase in voltage. Also, because voltage and current vary over time, when the power is kept constant, the sample rate of migration can't be predicted. So while you may have longer run times, heat production remains constant, and you won't run the risk of boiling your gel and ruining your samples. 
If the current somehow decreases because of a system issue, the power supply increases the voltage to offset this. So again, you need to keep a watchful eye on your electrophoresis run and be prepared for extended run times and potentially diffuse spans. On the plus side, you won't boil anything, except for maybe your nerves and patience. Your power supply won't spontaneously shut off and you won't have to report any burnt or scorched lab equipment to anyone. Depending on your temperament, time restraints and patience, this could be the best or worst of both worlds. So which is better, constant current voltage or power? As usual, in biology, there's no one-size-fits-all answer. Each of these electrophoresis modes has its own pros and cons, so you should optimise your electrophoresis protocol for your specific proteins. Check out the original article for a summary of the pros and cons for each mode in a handy table, along with tips and recommended run settings to help you start optimising. Although optimising may be frustrating and time-consuming, it will be worth it to get that perfect Western blot and a protocol that works every time. So that's it for constant current versus constant voltage in STS page. Check out the episode description for links to related articles and resources. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get more help and advice from mentors at your benchside. Are you always on the go, but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research? Well, look no further than Listen In, the podcast from Bite Size Bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format. With webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy. With Listen In, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Listen In in your podcast app to subscribe.